Jim, it's Clint Schweitzer from Music Mania. How you doing, man? Hey, Clint. Good to hear your voice, man. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, it's good to hear your voice, too. It's been since April. A lot's been going on since then. I think the last time I called you, Dennis DeYoung answered the phone, and we just had this crazy, you know, organic moment that unfolded. And now <laughs> things are still rolling for you. The Ides of March, 55th anniversary album. I mean, not to date anyone, but that's pretty impressive, Jim. I'm, I'm excited for you guys. That's pretty cool, man. Well, we, we love being dated because, <laughs> you know, we're uh, we're having a blast. And um, we're, you know, we're as strong as ever, uh, you know, more miles, you know. But, you know, rust, rust never sleeps, but we try to put the rust only on there, you know. We'll talk about this, how this kind of came together. I mean, the, uh, the album itself... Uh, came out uh, back in August, I believe, and um, you guys, you know, really are putting this together. Um, you've had a re-release of your Platinum Hit Vehicle. Talk about this album, just sort of, uh, it's called Play On, how it kind of came together, and just the whole antithesis of this, how you made it happen, and kind of what the reception's been like here over the past month or so since it's been out. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed talking to you back in April about World Stage. But even then, I said, "Well, you know, got something else on the on the burner coming up." And so I do appreciate it, and, uh, and so yeah. Well, here's the deal. You know, we wanted to do something really special to commemorate 55 years. Um, the first time we actually played together was October 1964, and it was for the Red Feather Building in, in Berlin, Illinois, our hometown. And it was about. Uh, 50 people there and we got paid $20 <laughs> and uh, that was for the whole band a anyway uh, and looking back in those days it's just so magical that we're still together the four of us Jim Peter that, that would be me Mike Borch on drums Larry Millis on guitar and Bob Bergman on bass still the same guys we we actually came up from grade school together uh, it's it's one of those Beatles stories we're kind of like the Berwyn Beatles because Berlin was our hometown uh, and um, so we're, how can we make a big splash we never stopped playing you know even when I was with Survivor we, I would always play a couple shows every year just to you know, like I said keep the rust off but um, the thing we wanted to do since we're still writing really good songs and we're not one of these bands that only play the, the oldies and the hits we love those days but we always try out new material this time we wanted to put our first uh, foot forward, and we hired Fred Mullen to produce us, who has done almost every Jimmy Webb album since 1975, uh, including, uh, you know, the 10 Easy Pieces, which was a Grammy winner. He's also done America and Linda Ronstadt, and he said, let's, let's go for this, because he loves the Ides. He's, he's great friends with Paul Schaefer. I knew he could probably enlist his services and, and it was the best choice we ever made. I think we made a, a career album, 14 brand new songs, uh, and some guest uh, guest artists that really, really, you know, make it special. Bo Bice from American Idol, who, of course, we've known him for many years, ever since he sang our song Vehicle to the top of the charts again back in 2005 as a, a semifinalist on American Idol. Just a great, great guy, great singer. He and I collaborated on a song called Love or Something Like It, which um, is tremendous. 
uh, called Mark Farner, who, uh, man, we used to tour with Grand Funk back in the day when uh, when when uh, Vehicle was number one. We were on the same bills as uh, as Grand Funk and all these pop festivals in Stevensville, Michigan, and Detroit, and we've loved him ever since then. And called him up, and uh, we did a few shows together last year, and then. Suddenly, uh, he and I are writing a song called Swagger, which became the the video and the first single from Play On. And uh, then Kathy Richardson, uh, who is part of Jefferson Starship, uh, I actually discovered her when she was 18, and I was, uh, uh, I ran into her father at a gas station, long story, but Kathy and I have this long, long history, and now she's this exceptional lead singer of, of Jefferson Starship. She's on the record. Uh, Paul Schaefer, as I mentioned before, Mindy Abair, the great sax player, uh, just about David Pack of Ambrosia, who's a dear friend of mine. So it's this coming together of all so many friends, people that have respected me, respected the Ides uh, through the years. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the title says it all. Play on. We're still doing it. Oh, and I love that. And I love this album. It's um, also available as a deluxe double disc of... Vintage vinyl edition, which is awesome. Just, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, when I, when I talked to you and, and Dennis DeYoung, you guys did a great song together called Proof of Heaven, which was um, on your last, uh, you know, World Stage album. Just talk about, you talked about forming in Chicago in 1964. Talk about that music scene because it's not something that, uh, you know, when you think about the 60s, everybody talks about kind of the Sunset Strip in L.A. and again in the 80s where it became popular. But what was Chicago like? when you guys were coming up? What, what was the musical climate at that point for you guys? Uh, yeah, well, that's a great a great question. And it kind of d- does uh, piss me off, so to speak, <laughs> when, I, when when Chicago doesn't get mentioned for their contribu- contribution to music in the 60s. There was a really strong, a really strong scene there. And, uh, you know, in 64, uh, that was just when we were starting out. But by... 1966, when we put out You Wouldn't Listen, suddenly there was all these groups uh, that WLS was playing, WCFL was playing, because there was a special Chicago-only playlist where they would actually give special attention to Chicago groups. So it spawned a lot of creativity. And uh, I think the first big hit from the group, and not the group Chicago, but from the city Chicago, was the New Colony 6 with I I Confess. In '65, we followed close behind with uh, "You Wouldn't Listen," and then the Buckinghams uh, came with with kind of a drag, and then the Shadows of Night with with Gloria, and the Crying Shames with Sugar and Spice, and suddenly, you know, there were all these great groups, and and lot that were not as well known, like Saturday's Children, and of course, those are special special people for us. American Breed, Ben Me Shave Me. It was a hot scene, and everybody was vying for the you know the top ten, and it was a friendly rivalry that we all got along, and we all, all share, share, um, shared bills at uh, teen clubs and concerts at Harry Crown Theater at, at McCormick Place, and it was a great scene. Well, Jim, you know, for people that don't know, uh, and of course we had you on before, and we've talked uh, touched on some of this stuff, but. Just the, the, the output that you've had musically, the things that you've done, it's almost unbelievable, and it's almost like 
if you told someone all the names that you've worked with, they wouldn't even believe it. Uh, from Sammy Hagar to 38 Special, from Cheap Trick to the Beach Boys to REO Speedwagon, you've co-wrote songs with, with so many of these bands and so many huge hits. You've won Grammys. You just kind of take us through this journey that you've been on and, and the, how the songwriting side, how you're able to kind of establish that style that, you know, became so popular and so created so many hits over the years, man, because it's been it's been quite a journey for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it really has, Clint. You know, I, I think the love of songwriting has carried me a long way. I love performing on stage. I don't think I could ever write as well as I do. Uh, if I was sitting at home or in a cubicle with a piano, I like getting out there and playing live. It really inspires me to write my write my best. And uh, so it's, it's gone hand in hand ever since I can remember where, you know, the Ides would have a great show, and suddenly I'm really inspired to write a, a, a hopefully a great song. Like, uh, well, Vehicle was was one of those things where I was really watching what, what the crowd was loving at our at our uh, teen clubs, dances, concerts, and I, they love the horns. They love that beat, you know. And that's when I wrote Vehicle, of course, inspired by a girlfriend that I was trying to win back, <laughs> which is a story a story into itself. Uh, and, uh, of course, the punchline of that one is once that song reached number one, I got my girlfriend back. <laughs> and and uh, 47 years later, that girl is still my wife. So it worked. Wow. <laughs> I, that, that is incredible. Um, almost as incredible as the fact that um, the Ides of March recently just played a Joliet Prison. How did, how did that gig go? What was that like? Well, they didn't keep us there. That's for that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, yeah, no, it was really very weird, very cool. I mean, 4,000 people uh, that all paid $50 a head to see the odds, but also to raise money to restore the prison, uh, to make it kind of a tourist attraction to, for people to visit, kind of like Alcatraz. And uh, But I'll tell you, I, I've never been to that prison. I mean, I never even drove past it till that day. And you're coming up to it, and it's on both sides of the street. It's made of this stone. It looks like castles uh, on both sides of the street. It's so foreboding and weird. And uh, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, it was a great show, raised a lot of money. And, it, and a lot of the audience members were allowed to just wander around the grounds. And there's pictures of uh, some of our dear friends behind bars. And it, it was just a hoot. But but the real the real fun thing, Clint, you you like this. I got a call the day of the show from Jimmy Signs of the Shadows of Night. He said, Jimmy, uh, he said, Jim, um, Jimmy Signs here. You know, could I join you guys on stage in Joliet Prison? I go, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. He's, I, he, he said, it's it's special to me because I was an inmate there for over a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I go. Oh my God! And I do remember he did this, uh, a spell in prison uh, for I guess he was you know for pot. That was when pot was still illegal way back when. And uh, so he came up there and, and he he introduced himself. Everybody was cheering because they could recognize signs right away. And he says, "Yeah, I'm a former alumni of this institution." <laughs> and he pointed at the room where he right across the field where he actually had to stay. And then we to Gloria and just brought the house down. 
That's amazing. It's so funny how, and terrible, really, how people had to, you know, looking back, uh, spent time in, in prison um, for that. And now it's like you get a ticket if you have pot on you, you get a ticket and maybe the police will ask you to dump it out or something. It's like, man, people spent time in prison for this years well, ago. They, it's crazy. I know. It, it was. There's a good example. Jimmy Sons. But oh, it was a, it. a lot of fun. And... Uh, we had a blast. Well, Jim, I, I know we kind of, with your career, it's easy to, to just jump around because you've done so many things, but I'd be remiss because some of, so many of our um, fans and so many of our listeners uh, are, you know, are really entrenched in, in the 80s and they know Survivor so well. It was such a, you know, a big and important band. Um, obviously, uh, just take us into the, the, the song Eye of the Tiger, of course, is just is one of the most famous songs from any movie ever wins a Grammy and um, you guys is this a deal where you know Stallone has to kind of hear this because I've, I've always heard that they wanted to use another one bites the dust by Queen and then they somehow get a hold of of Eye of the Tiger kind of what is your recollection of of how that song kind of got into the Rocky movie to begin with yeah well you know I, I called the, the phone call that changed my life uh, I would came back from doing some shopping in early 82. Uh, that's 1982. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'll tell you, I had this big old answering machine, and I pressed play, and I hear, hey, yo, Jim, give me a call. It's Sylvester Stallone. And uh, I think somebody's putting me on, you know. So I kind of go about my business, you know, sorting through the mail, and my wife said, who is that? I said, oh, it's some joker, you know, pretending it's Stallone. Why would he be calling me? And my wife goes, you know, you better call him back. She listened again to the the, uh, the voice message, and man, if it didn't sound like Stallone. So I called the called the number. I said, "This is uh, Jim Peterick. Is this really Sylvester Stallone?" He goes, "Hey, yeah, Jimbo, give me call me Sly. What's going on?" <laughs> and uh, I just about you know dropped my whatever, and uh, I said, "Yeah, what's going on?" He says, "Well, I got this new movie called Rocky 3. You know, I was going to use, I didn't want to use Going to Fly Now, because I wanted something fresh, something new, something for the kids. Can you help me out? And I go, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how do you even know about us? You know, we had two albums out prior to that that didn't really set the world on fire. The first one with the Kim Basinger on the cover and us in front of the smoking wreck of a, a, a bomber plane. second one was Premonition. But he says, you know, I was in Tony Scotty's office, and that's our record company president. And he says, I signed this band called Survivor, and you got to hear him slide. And he plays slide part uh, pieces of the of the Premonition album, and and Stallone heard Poor Man's Son from that album, which was a charting song, but not a big hit. He goes, that's the sound I want for my next movie. So that's you know, Tony Scotty gave him my number, called me. And in, suddenly, you know, FedEx arrives two days later with the rough cut of the movie. I, I bring over Frankie Sullivan, the guitar player, Survivor, and uh, we we watch this thing, and we're going, "Holy crap, this is phenomenal!" I said, "But there's a, you know, another song over the the part that we're supposed to write over is another one, Bites the Dust by Queen." Wow! And we and we go, "What the hell is this so?" I called up Stallone, and I'm comfortable enough with him. I called him, hey, Sly, what's going on? You got a song. Oh, yeah, I couldn't use it, man. I couldn't get the publishing rights. 
Yeah. So, you know, I thank God that Freddie Mercury every day of my life that that they refused that 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 opportunity and gave the unknown survivor band the chance of a lifetime. And uh, I mean, really, the rest the rest is history, as they say. But we 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 delivered it really quick. He said, "I need it in five days." So Frankie and I literally wrote the song in three days. We had demoed it the fourth day. We sent it to him. He says, he, he absolutely lost his mind. He said, you guys did it, man. You, this song will outlive you. I, I said, really? Yeah. He said, this is going to be an anthem for all time. I mean, he absolutely flipped. And um, he proved he, he proved to be right. I mean, look, Kurt, I knew that song was going to make it because, look, it had the opportunity of a lifetime having a great movie to go with it. And people were cheering in the when I went to the theater and when we uh, when we per- saw the premiere in Hollywood, we knew. But what I didn't realize or couldn't have known is that in the year 2020, basically, that song would still be around, man. You know, oh. and still making a difference in people's lives, and that's the biggest reward I could ever get. Yeah, Jim, and it's funny because you know I'm not 100% sure about this, but it may be the first song I ever heard ever. Um, you know, as a child of the, you know, I'm 35. I was born in the in the early 80s, and I was a huge Rocky fan. And there's a chance that was the first song I've ever heard. You talk about making an impact on someone. Like, it's like that's entrenched in my mind as anything that has ever existed in my life. So yeah, wow. isn't that cool? So not only that, but you did Burning Heart uh, for for Rocky Four. So still, so Sly really liked you, really liked what you guys did, and you came back and did it again. And you have done so many things, Jim, since then. And I'm just, I, I can't tell you, you know, what a fan I am, and I'm so so glad that uh, things are still going well for, for the Ides. And I want to get everybody over to the website. It's the Ides of You can get all the information on how to get, um, get the new album, which is play on. And it is amazing. And Jim, we just can't thank you enough. I could go round and round and do this again, but you know what? We're going to do it again soon because that's kind of what we do. It's just an every few months thing. I think at this point, my friend. Well, thanks man. And, and we're doing a, a show, um, an official 55th anniversary yes. show. We're doing a lot of shows, but the main one is the 26th of October at the Genesee Theater in Waukegan. And we're bringing out Bo Bice and, and Mark Farner and a couple other guests from the album. And we're going to be filming it for a, a TV special. Oh. So that'll give the album a, a lot of legs, you know, and um, just we're, we're having a blast. And it, it's a labor of love. And I thank you for, for having, having me on the show. And uh, this is going to be uh, just a major thing. We're going to be touring behind it all next year. And yeah, That's, a, a victory lap, you know? It, a victory lap and keep them coming. Keep the laps coming. I'm so uh, excited for you guys. And again, that show uh, is October 26th. That's the official 55th anniversary show. My friend, um, if there's anything I can do to make it, I'm going to try to do so, you know, and uh, we're just such a huge fan. Jim, you're the best man. Let's keep in touch and uh, we'll do it again soon because that's what we do, my brother. Uh, all right, man. I, I love you, man. Take, take care and thanks again. Hey, thank you so much. Love you, Jim. You all bet. Right. Be good, man. Okay. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye.